Listener production. Hello and welcome back to Just the Gist. This is another instalment of our series of little true crime themed minisodes that we're testing out. Little hors d'oeuvres for your dinner party banter. And for this episode, I am joined by Mr. Adam Denston. Adam, welcome to Just the Gist. Thanks for having me at your dinner table. It's lovely to be here. You've put on such a wonderful spread. The carbonara looks great. I've just brought along my friend Lindsay and she's only just started trying vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) I turned my mic off but you called me out. (laughs) Trust me, Lindsay and I will be delving into this in greater depth in a future episode. Um, So we'll skip right past that. But yes, thank you for noticing the effort that went into this evening's dinner party. Uh, Now, for this episode, I am serving just the gist of the time a vicious serial killer went on a campy, kitschy dating show, not to find love, but to find his next victim. Do you know anything about the dating game killer? Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But I love the thought and I love the adjective of a vicious serial killer because I love the thought of like... Something that's a not compassionate a serial killer, serial yeah. Killer. <laughs> like a very happy-go-lucky serial killer, or just like yeah, a very tired serial killer. But I love vicious serial killer. Makes it sound quite good. And it's what I can already glean from this is that it's an older story because they've gone on dating. They've gone on a dating game rather than being on dating apps. Yes. So like dating app killers, bit too like just bit too modern, bit mm-hmm, too mm-hmm. ho hum. There's too many of them going around right now. Back then, if you wanted to get into the dating game and find your uh, the person you wanted to kill, you had to go on TV. Had to be on I'm the telly. Yeah, very excited about. I hope it was like perfect match or something like that. That's probably my favorite. The one. American version of that, and I was going to ask you if you were familiar with Perfect Match. And we that got format. a perfect match. He even knows the theme tune. Yep. So of course you would remember Dexter then. Of course, yes, Dexter the, the robot, robot the who local. calculated people's compatibility. Yes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the uh, Tinder before Tinder. He was like, yeah, he was the guy, Dexter. Indeed. Um, But, yeah, so all those dating shows, Are You The One, Bachelor, all of that can trace its lineage back to the very, very first original dating show called The Dating Game, which launched in 1965 and created the genre. And given that you're familiar with Perfect Match, maybe you could sort of describe what the format of The Dating Game and Perfect Match was. Well, I've not a hundred percent on the format, but from what I remember, the perfect match was there was uh, one suitor mm-hmm. that was so like let's just say let's call him the bachelor or a bachelorette. They're sitting in a chair, mm-hmm. and there's a panel between them and three people sitting on the other side of the panel, mm-hmm. and the person, the bachelor or bachelorette, gets to ask questions to those three people on the other side of the panel mm-hmm. without seeing them. They try and find out who their perfect match is. And then they stand up in front of the panel, which then gets revealed. And then we see whether they are, in fact, suited to each other. And then they go on some fancy date that's sponsored by some shitty brand. Spot on. That is exactly it. All the questions are written for them by producers. And the only things they're not allowed to ask are name, age, occupation, and income. Um, apart from that, they can do a little bit of freewheeling. Um And the other thing worth noting is that through asking these questions, what they're really trying to get is the sauciest responses Mm. from the people sitting on the other side of the screen. That's really where the entertainment value for the show came from, watching young hotties sort of hitting on each other using lots of cheeky 
innuendo and double entendres. So like the questions would be something like, if you were a vegetable, what would you be and why? So then the answers would be something like, I'd be a long, hard, throbbing courgette, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> and the audience would go, ah! Because well, the funny thing, sexual chemistry. The funny thing you say that, Jacob, my opening line to my wife on a dating app was actually, if you were a fruit, what kind of fruit would you be? <laughs> she said she'd be a mango. And then I said I'd be a pink lady apple. <laughs> okay. Can you justify both of your answers? Yeah. So she said, I'm a mango because everyone loves a mango. I was like, all right, beat up yourself. But fair <laughs> enough. And then she said, which one are you? I said, pink lady apple because I said, when they're good, they're bloody awesome. But sometimes they're a bit shit and tart. And she was willing to take a gamble on yeah. you being one and of the good ones. and then she said, is now a good time to tell you that I make a great apple crumble? I said, fantastic. It's one of my favorite desserts. Is now a good time to ask you on a date? She said, perfect time. When and where? Mm-hmm. And then the rest is history. We got married. Now we got a baby. What a love story. Wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> you didn't even need to go on telly for that magic to happen. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh. Um, now there would always be, yes, one winner. Um, and then the losers would get paid a little bit of cash, but they got the win of having their faces on the television. Most people who went on the dating game were looking to launch a career in entertainment of some sort. It was an easy way for them to get their faces in front of producers. Sounds Um, like modern day. Yeah, right. Um, the dating game featured before they were famous people like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, really? Yep, he was a contestant on there. Did he get picked? He was the bachelor who was selecting from uh, three okay. bachelorettes. Whereas... Which kind of vegetable would you be? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, Steve Martin went on there as a contestant and he won <gasps> twice. Twice? Twice, yes. <laughs> Tom Selleck also went on there twice, but he lost both times. Really? Was that pre or was that uh, like, did he have a moustache at the time or was this before he had a moustache? I think he went on once without and once with and okay. was struck out both times. And Farrah Fawcett, um, just before she got cast on Charlie's Angels, she was a bachelorette on The Dating Game. Wow, big hitters. Yeah. It was a really big show at its peak. Um, but of the thousands of episodes of The Dating Game, the most iconic, the most watched, the most discussed episode by far is the episode from 1978 in which one of The Bachelors turned out to be an active serial killer who was then in the middle of a very prolific killing spree all across the country of America at the time the episode was filmed. So The Bachelorette on that episode was an acting teacher whose name was Cheryl. And on the other side of the screen from Cheryl were her three eligible bachelors. And, of course, they were all hoping to impress her by getting the biggest chuckles from the audience by giving the cheekiest responses to the pre-written questions she'd ask them. And all the men, because it was the 70s, had big feathered hair and big smiles and huge collars all the way out Mm. to the edges of their shoulders. Compensating for nothing. (laughs) Um, And after half an hour of banter and flirting, Cheryl chose bachelor number one to go on a date with because he'd made the best dick jokes throughout the game. Bachelors two and three, very disappointed, not only to have been rejected, but more so to have lost to a guy who seemed like a total jerk. Bachelor number one had been super rude to everyone backstage. He'd like taking things a bit too seriously and tried to psych out his competition before the show kicked off. But Bachelors 2 and 3 how just sort he, of... Do you know how he tried to psych them out? He'd get up right in their face and tell them, listen, you need to know, I always get my girl. 
Ah, which, looking like back, when we though. find out about his career as a killer, sounds extra, extra <laughs> ominous. Yeah. Um, and he just avoided eye contact with everyone until he'd sort of turn on the charm and the sparkle yep. when he knew there was someone who was important enough for him to try to win over. Anyway, um, the Bachelors 2 and 3 got to say a quick hi to Cheryl before they left the stage and then Cheryl got to meet the man she'd selected. He was introduced to the audience as a photographer who, quote, had a lot of nerve and who enjoyed skydiving and riding his motorcycle. No mention of his favourite, favourite hobby. Kellen Pable. Mm. Cheryl was pretty instantly put off by this guy. He was handsome, he definitely had charisma and he was... Very, very confident. But Didn't she pick him, though? Yes, based on what his answers. Put- but then as soon oh. as she laid eyes on him, she could just tell there was something that was a little bit off about his smile and his demeanour. And then when they like went... The blackness in his eyes and the lack of soul. She could pick up on it. Yeah. She couldn't quite put her finger on it, but she could tell that there was something that was just off. This guy was giving her the creeps. And it played on her mind for the next few days and she made the decision to call up the show's producers and tell them she was really sorry, but she couldn't go on this date and play tennis with Bachelor Number 1 after all. Because they record the the dates that they go on, don't they? And Mm -hmm. they play that on like the following week. And it's like, oh, here's how Shezza went with, I mean, Brian or whoever his name is. That's right. Record them. All right, cool. And, and she did was it like, turn I'm out to be out. a match or not? And she was like, look, I'm sorry, but I'm just not comfortable going through with this. Mm. And that was without a doubt the best decision Cheryl made in her entire life because if she'd gone on that date, she almost certainly would have become one of the dozens of victims of Bachelor Number 1, also known as Rodney Alcala. Rodney. Man. I mean, that's a real serious... Uh, hopefully, I don't know how many of your listeners out there are called Rodney... But if you were like, oh, we got a serial killer. What's his name? Rodney, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. How many, how many uh, people in to Rodney's career, uh, quote unquote career, was he when he went on the dating show? Look, well, he I mean, had about probably, eight... it'd be, it would be difficult to ascertain, I imagine. Mm. There'd be a lot of like unnamed ones. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of sort of speculation about how prolific he was. It's estimated that he may have killed up to 130 women and girls. Whoa! Yeah, Across what period of time? Between 1968 and 1979 when he was caught. So he was on the dating game a year before he was caught. So certainly in the later stages of his right. career. And um, yes, he was of all the serial killers, the least compassionate and most vicious, many would argue, because he was just especially sadistic in the way that he would torture his victims for days um, and he'd strangle them to the point of unconsciousness and then wait for them to wake back up and then he'd repeat the process again and again and again. He was just so incredibly evil and certainly shouldn't be revered by anyone. Um, No. It's just... A disgusting, foul specimen of a person. Where was he doing his work? Which, uh, what part of America are we in? All across the country. Oh, so from we're just, east we're coast traveling. to west coast. Yep, kept Jeez. moving. And we're doing like one every five weeks. We're doing like 10, 11 a year. Mm. Yeah, kept himself busy. Yep. Now he wouldn't be revealed as a killer until he was caught in seventy nine. So in fairness, the producers and everyone involved in the dating game had no way of knowing he was a killer. But had they run a background check on him, just a simple background check, Mm -hmm. they would have found out that he was a known predator 
and totally vile specimen who'd been convicted for committing really heinous, brutal sex crimes against underage girls just a few years earlier. Like, I feel like that's a really simple thing to do. Like mm. a police check. You have to do a police check to get a job. Like just ring up someone down the cop station and be like, hey, mate, you just check out this bloke for me. His name's Rodney. And you go, wait, Rodney the serial killer? You mm. probably don't have him on your TV show. <laughs> like a lot of people go, oh, well, they didn't have the internet back then, so there was no way they could. No, there were definitely ways that they could have for the interest of safety of the other contestants, made sure that they weren't taking any known felons on their show because the crimes that Rodney had committed, been found guilty of and served time for were so bad that they had put him on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. Oh, I mean, that's easy enough to find. Right. A small amount of research and they would have found out that this guy was not someone they wanted to be putting on their show. What were the other two blokes doing? What were they? If So the first guy loved motorbikes and skydiving and stuff. Do you know who the other two blokes were? They're just like regular average Joes. No, no one really shows any of the footage of the other two guys. Mm. Um, I mean, they've made statements since their appearance on the show about how they could just tell there was something off of with this guy. Um, but yeah, no one ever shows any footage of their responses to the questions along the way that Cheryl was asking. So Cheryl... Absolutely dodged a bullet by trusting her instincts and cancelling the date. And Rodney had to go find his next victim elsewhere, which he did. He kept that killing spree rolling right up until he got caught in mid-1979. There are some psychologists who speculate that he might have become even more prolific after being rejected by Cheryl, that that might have spurred him on and motivated him to kill even more women kind of dubious, but it's a theory that's been put out there. And like I said, we don't know exactly how many women and girls he tortured and killed, but we think it's definitely in the triple digits based on the patterns of behavior in the attacks that he did and also his collection of photographs of his victims. That's creepy. Mm. How did he get caught in the end? So he'd picked up an underage girl while she was with some of her friends and offered her a modeling job, took her away. She then was never seen again. The friends went to the police and worked with one of those composite sketch artists to draw up an image of the guy they'd all clocked eyes on. Um, And then someone recognized that that image of that suspect's face looked very much like Rodney Alcala. And so the police swooped in And then they ended up finding him guilty for killing that girl. And then over the course of the next few years, he kept appealing his sentence again and again and again. And each time he'd go through a retrial, more evidence would be examined that would link him to more killings. And obviously his technology advanced as well and they started being able to use DNA evidence. They were able to pin more and more murders on him. But there are still some that are cold cases that are attributed to him, but they haven't been proven to be Is he dead his now? handiwork. He died last year. Wow. And he died of natural causes. Even though he'd been sentenced to death again and again and again, he'd been able to prolong his life by appealing again and again and again. And in his final appeal, he made the jury watch the episode of The Dating Game he was on because he thought that was oh. going to help win them over by showing them how charming and sophisticated he really was and that he was someone who was totally incapable of the sort of brutality he 
he'd been accused of throughout all his previous trials. What a genuine psychopath. Mm-hmm. Be like, have a look at how good I was on TV. You've got to trust the guy on TV. I mean, there's a guy on TV saying to you, Jacob, I mean, but we could probably trust me. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on TV and mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm, I can, mm-hmm. I'm trustworthy. Trust me, guys. Go back and watch season four, episode three of Gogglebox. You'll be like, geez, that guy's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I didn't kill anyone. I definitely didn't kill anyone. <laughs> but that is such a hectic way to be like, I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. Watch me. Oh, my goodness. Shockingly, did not work. <laughs> um, he was representing himself as his own yeah. attorney in that trial as well, which... Yeah, he had a real fool as a client and he botched it up completely. He even put himself on the stand and cross-examined himself in that trial. So he's just asking rhetorical questions and answering questions. Addressing himself as Mr. Alcala in both characters as lawyer and as defendant. Yeah, That's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde interviewing each other. Mm -hmm. It says so much about the fact that his narcissism only intensified over the years. That'd be fascinating to watch. Yeah. It is. Like fascinating in the worst kind of way, but it's just mind-blowing. Grim, but there is this strange humour that's there. Um, Yes, and so as I mentioned, he died last year of natural causes, 2021. And that is just the gist of the dating game killer. Even though no one involved in the dating game was actually murdered, it was just something that was used to identify Rodney Alcala because it was such an unusually audacious thing for a serial killer to do because we usually think of killers as wanting to sort of hide in the shadows. They certainly don't want to be putting themselves in the spotlight the way he did, but he was just that special kind of narcissist. Wow. All righty. And so that was just a little mini gist for you, Gistners. Thank you so much for coming along on the ride with us, Mr. Adam Denston. Mate, I loved it. I love being a Gistner. Gistner, like, also, Gistners is one of the best names going around. But being a Gistner and hearing it, like, live for the first time, is that was awesome. I had heaps of fun. Terrific. We hope we'll have you back on again soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers. See ya. Listener.